Aidan Lee here with you until 7 on Cork's Red FM on the big red bench. Um, was up Croke Park yesterday uh, for the um, Junior and Intermediate Hurling All-Ireland Finals, Club Finals. Um, unfortunately, not to be for Bally Giblin. It was a fantastic game. Two fantastic games in fairness as well. Uh, Kilmoyle, of course. Corsi Rovers conquers in the Munster Final. Uh, they were defeated by Nace um, by just two points as well towards the end. Uh, they, they had a couple of chances to try and rescue something there, but uh, wasn't to be for, for the Kerry side or for the Cork side and uh, the glory went and stayed in in, in Leinster with Nace and Mooncoin of course winning the junior um, and today uh, the action continued at Croke Park with the football the junior and intermediate football club finals Kilmina of Mayo are the junior Ireland club football champions they overcame Kerry's Guinea Gula in extra time by two points and in the intermediate final Steelstown Brian Oaks from Derry beat me champions trim fairly handy as well in that one um, plenty of action of course in the FA Cup the FA Cup fourth round continued today and uh, early the early game was Liverpool who overcame Cardiff City 3-1 18 year old Harvey Elliott scored in his return um, and helped his side into the fifth round of the FA Cup uh, Diogo Jota Minamino uh, also scoring for the Reds they face Norwich now in the next round Shane Pennington was there and he reports Liverpool 3, Cardiff 1, a professional performance from Jurgen Klopp's side made sure there was never really any chance of an upset here today. They had to be patient, but once Diego Jota headed them in front, they never really looked back. New signing Luis Diaz came on to make his debut in the second half, and his cross saw to Kumi Minamino slot home the second, before Harvey Elliott fired home an excellent third on his return after injury. Cardiff did score a consolation for their efforts, Robin Colwell firing home from 20 yards, but it's Liverpool who go safely through to book a tie with Norwich here in the fifth round. Liverpool 3, Cardiff 1. Nottingham Forest have caused a massive upset. They've knocked out the holders, Leicester City, 4-1 at the city ground. A massive win for Nottingham Forest in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Joe Rawson was there. Full-time Nottingham Forest for Leicester City one after knocking out Arsenal in round three. The championship side have upset the holders in the fourth round. Three goals in a blistering nine first half minutes, ultimately securing the win. Philip Zinkenagel tapping in the opener, a second was added by Brennan Johnson after a under-hit back pass by Kaglo Suyuncho and the third from a corner headed home by Joe Worrell. Kalichi Ian Acho gave Leicester a lifeline before the break but that was as good as it got for the Foxes whose disappointing season continues Jed Spence started and finished the move down the left to add a fourth in the second half of Forest there'll be some big celebrations in Nottinghamshire tonight they'll play Huddersfield at home in the FA Cup next full time in the East Midlands derby Nottingham Forest 4 holders Leicester City out and the final game of the fourth round is Bournemouth who host uh, National League side Boreham at Vitality Stadium that kicks off at half past six moving to Scotland Rangers uh, have beaten Hearts 5-0 at Ibrox um, that means they cut Celtic's lead at the top back to one point. Um, Ange Postacoglu's Celtic side beat Motherwell 4-0 away from home earlier today. Tom Rogic scored twice as the visitors eased to victory. And manager Ange Postacoglu told Sky Sports News he was very pleased with the performance. I guess after Wednesday night, um, people were kind of probably looking at us, see, see what sort of performance we put on. So credit to the players. Um, started the game well, we were really strong and... Um, 
yeah, took our goals well and yeah, dominated the game. Elsewhere, the uh, final of the Africa Cup of Nations takes place this evening. Sadio Mane, Senegal take on Mo Salah's Egypt in the decider. Senegal have never won the competition. Egypt have won it seven times and that kicks off at seven o'clock Irish time. Moving on to golf, as mentioned, Leona Maguire pulled off a fantastic victory last night and she says that her success hopefully will inspire young golfers around the country. Um, Made history by becoming the first ever Irish player to win on the LPGA Tour. An 18 under par score at the Drive On Championship in Florida saw her finish three shots clear of the chasing pack. And here she is speaking after the win. It's a bit surreal. It's been 17 years in the making and you kind of wonder if it's ever going to happen. But just really proud of how I played all week, especially today. And um, I mean, Dermot was incredible on the bag, keeping me calm all week. And yeah, I have a lot of people to thank and it's been a long road, but uh, probably more relief now than anything else. Seamus Power is still in contention. Uh, he teed off in the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am for his final round about uh, about 20 past five. Um, he's evens for the day so far. He was as high as 16 under, I think, going into the um, into the third round yesterday and dropped three um, in, in the last couple of holes. He's, he's 13 under par now, um, tied for seventh. Um, the lead is shared it's a three way tie in the lead it's 15 under is what the lead is set at elsewhere Shane Lowry finished up in a tie for 14th on the Saudi International today 6 under par final score left him 7 shots behind winner Varner Harold of the United States uh, Patrick Harrington finished up in 10 under par at the Ras Al Kamina Championship in the UAE today that left him in a tie for 27th and 14 shots off Danish winner Nikolai Hoygaard Rugby France rounded out the weekend Six Nation action with a 37 points to 10 win over Italy in Paris and it looked for about 10 minutes that Italy might do something special but um, it wasn't to be for them and the, the first try they, they really just handed it on a plate to France uh, it was a poor um, poor attempted pass uh, layoff and France intercepted and, and carried it over the line so uh, 27 point win for France and they of course face Ireland next weekend which could be a Grand Slam decider, possibly, um, early yet in, in the competition, but um, definitely going to be a fan- fantastic encounter, and uh, it's going to have a huge bearing on what happens for the rest of the championship. Um, moving on to Camogie, fantastic result for Jerry Wallace and the Corkamoni minor- Miners in the opening round of the Camogie All-Ireland away to Galway today. Cork 8 points, Galway 6. John uh, McCarthy will have reaction to that result on the Women in Sport podcast on Thursday. Unfortunately, in the Camogie National League Division 2 first round last night, the Cork Seniors lost to Wexford. The final score there was 14 points to 9. Um, coming up later on, we will hear, as mentioned, from Carl Heffernan and his dad Rob ahead of his AC Milan move. Um, we also have a Super Bowl preview with Cork's own Colm Cronin of the Irish NFL show, which I can't wait to bring to you. Uh, first, we turn our attention, however, to hurling. Uh, Group A of Division 1 Hurling League got underway today, and the All Ireland champions lost to Wexford on a scoreline of 111 to 11 points. Uh, here's Limerick manager John Kiley speaking to Southeast Radio after the defeat. Nice to see the All-Ireland champions in Wexford and they duly got their guard of honour from the Wexford team but from there after that then it was a very close game that was all you got from Wexford. Yeah, listen, I, I think, you know, to be fair to Wexford they were, they were well up for the game, they were full of energy and, you know, really went after us. You know, if we were to 
give ourselves a chance in that last quarter. We needed to be more efficient, you know, in the previous, you know, especially in the first half. You know, we had, I think it was six, uh, 12 wides in the yeah. first half. You know, so we wasted a few chances there. And we, you know, on a windy day like today, you need every score that you can get on the board. And of course, the goal was always going to be a big score in the game. And it, the goal went Wexford's way. So you know, that that really uh, put us under an awful lot of pressure in the last 10 minutes. You still had nine of the team that won the All Ireland last year started, and you started three 20-year-olds. I suppose to give them that bit of experience. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. You, you know, you're trying to integrate lads into the group. You know, during the course of the league, so you're, you know you're going to have to give them opportunities and real opportunities, and you know, no greater experience for them than to come down here and play down here because you know it is it is a ground that you're going to earn every cross that you get down here. So um, you know, we learned that again today. Yeah, you were down here in 2017. It was actually Davy Fitzgerald's first game. You might remember. It. That's right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll never forget it. Yeah. Uh, very similar type of game, I suppose. But I think we had a bit of a bigger lead built up. We took more of our chances in the first half that day. But um, yeah, listen, you know, from, from our perspective, we wouldn't be happy with the performance overall. And you know, we're going to have to work a hell of a lot harder and uh, learn from today. And uh, you know, regroup quickly now again because we've Saturday night coming around the corner very quickly. How difficult is it? John, you know, you've won all Ireland now and everybody's pointing to figure that you can't be beaten. And Is there a danger that creeps into fellas' heads and, you know, that's where your role comes in and, and, and is difficult as all Ireland champions or is, is it every day you go out? Uh, listen, it, it, you're going to have a challenge below, of course you are. I'm sure that, that, takes, that should be for granted. And, you, listen, you have to work very hard for everything you get in this game and that's the bottom line. And there's very little really between any of the sides and that's the bottom line as well. Um, you know, we, we'll work hard. You know, we won't panic. Uh, we've we've got a, a really quality bunch of people. They are very grounded. They do work very very hard. Uh, they worked really hard today out there. You know, I think we defended extremely well at times today, extremely well. And you know, I just think we have a bit of work to do. And we'll get that work done in the next number of weeks. And uh, you know, we'll incre we'll incrementally improve as the weeks go by. So yeah, we'll we'll be looking for that imp improvement during the next week. It was a crucial period five minutes before half time where you did step on the gas a little bit and you could have pulled away but which were stuck in didn't they? They did, they hung in there, they worked hard, they hunted, hunted in packs, you know, they were they were uh, full value for the win really being honest about it, you know, I think they were the better team on the day um, and you know, they're going to take beating, that's the bottom line but uh, listen for us it's about, you know, refocusing on ourselves now and trying to get ourselves to be, you know, an improved side for next weekend. And February is not a month that you generally worry? Absolutely not, no. no there's, there's lots of hurling to be done and, uh, you know, we, we'll, uh, we'll enjoy every bit of it as we go along. What did you make of Wexford, John? I thought they played very, very well. You know, they worked really, really hard. They used the ball well. They hunted in packs. You know, I think uh, you could see Dara's stamp on them already, you know. Um, so, you know, there's always going to be, you know, a bounce, you know, initially when there's a change like that. So, yeah, more luck to them. But uh, for us, I suppose, listen, we're, we're disappointed. And for us, we've got to regroup and that's the bottom line. Thanks, John. Yes, uh, John Coyley there speaking after their loss to Wexford and so these also got reaction from the new Wexford boss, Darry Egan, on the win. Um, interestingly enough, I don't know if you saw last week, but um, he's brought in uh, Gordon Darcy into his backroom staff at Wexford, which is very interesting and uh, I suppose it seems to be a trend now that, that uh, the GA are bringing in people from outside the sport with different experiences uh, into their backroom sides but uh, here is Wexford boss Darry Egan on their victory over Limerick well, Darry you must be delighted it's amazing what seven days can do uh, but 
the commitment and you knew that the lads would have to stand up to Limerick today and the Julie did yeah well look uh, our commitment all week to be honest to the cause was, was excellent uh, we were very very disappointed leaving Crow Park last weekend obviously the manner of defeat was quite heavy but ultimately we just didn't perform we didn't even go at that game properly um, which was a, which was the worst thing but Today we knew we were going to get a performance in our own home park. Uh, the lads usually rise their game for Wexford Park. Now it's a matter of how can we transfer that to Cusick Park next weekend to Salt Hill at the end of the month and then on to, on to our two games against Offaly and Cork in March. But really, really happy. And again, we just need to be mindful of the fact that we Limerick left us in the game for long periods of that first half today and we still have lots to work on. This is a building project now. As I said, it's an education month for, for a lot of our lads. They're going to see a bit of league action. Some lads who have never played league before. So we're going to have to learn a lot now over the next few weeks. The experienced players stood up today and I, you always need your experienced players to stand up. You know, Matthew and... Liam and Simon in the full back line particularly and that little gap that was there visible in the last couple of games between the half back line and the full back line wasn't there today it was a cohesive structure between the, the two lines Yeah and that is something we, we had to work really hard on because there was an, an ocean of space in front of our full back line against Dublin last weekend and if you give any inter-county team that kind of space they're really going to hurt you so yes our experienced lads were excellent but I must compliment like Sir Charlie McGuck and um, Oshin Foley, even Oshin Pepper coming on, who they've seen no league action. They're only new members of our panel and they really, really put the shoulder to the wheel. So delighted for them. But again, you still have your older statesmen uh, leading the line, which is good to see. You're still learning, of course, with this Wexford group, aren't you? Most definitely. I, I only know these lads six weeks. You know, some of these lads didn't even come back training until until the end of January. Some of our uh, some of our more experienced players, or from the start of January, sorry, some of our more experienced players because they needed to freshen up. So I'm very, very much learning about what makes these lads tick. Uh, I know what definitely makes them tick is their home venue, because anytime you come in, they're 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 really ready to give a proper performance. So. Uh, yeah, it's a learning, as I said, it's really much a learning curve now over the next few weeks and we'll go to Ennis with uh, the bit between our teeth for next Sunday too. And I doubt, without dwelling on it too much, it is a change of style for the team, isn't it, from the previous five years? It is, Liam, but I think if you look at the first half there, our best, the best phases of our play were when we were carrying the ball through the lines at pace, something that this group has worked on very, very hard for the last five years. So. We are going to keep that part of our game. We're going to expand on it and layer it as much as we possibly can. But that's going to take a lot of work, an awful lot of work on the training pitch. And as I said, these next two months are going to be vital for the development of this team, but also the development of some of our younger players. Uh, so I think we don't need to get too caught up on the style. We, we will be playing it as best we can through the lines, direct, but a mix and match, a hybrid of both games really is what we need going forward. Yeah, two tough games ahead now, Clare next Sunday and then Galway in for two weeks further on. Yeah, really tough tasks. You know, heading away to heading away to Cusick Park and Clare after losing to Cork last night, they're really going to come out firing. So we need to be tuned in for that one. And then when we head to Salt Hill, no doubt it'll be a windy day like it is down here today. But it usually is in Salt Hill. But uh, we're really looking forward to to getting a crack at Galway because we will see them later on in the year too. What pleased you overall about today's performance? The most pleasing aspect was we brought Tuesday night's top class session to the pitch on 
today on Sunday and as a coach as a manager that's definitely the most pleasing aspect yes there's passion yes they're putting the bodies on the line yes they're firing into tackles but ultimately they knew their role they carried out their role and they brought the training pitch onto the onto the game pitch and that's all anyone can ask for as a manager well done thanks Darry. thanks a million Wexford boss Dara Egan there on their fantastic victory uh, over the All-Ireland Champions Limerick. They might be a bit early in the year for dancing at the crossroads yet, but uh, you wouldn't rule out uh, them having something to dance about a bit later on in the year. Elsewhere in Group A, Galway beat Offaly 4.22 to uh, 17 points at Pierce Stadium. Uh, and then moving on to Group B, Kilkenny beat Antrim 2.15 to 3.9 um, at Nolan Park. That was actually level at halftime, 1.6 apiece. Um, and Dublin and Waterford played out an absorbing draw at Parnell Park. The final score there, Dublin 21, Waterford uh, 2-15. Um, the other game in that, of course, was last night. Uh, Tipperary beginning life uh, without Brendan and Park Maher, Maher following their retirements. Uh, Cullen Bonner's side travelled to Port Leash to take on Leash in Division 1B of the National Hurling League, and they ran out winners 21 points to 1-14. Um, so that leaves them on top of Division 1B, just on points difference by by the one point, just ahead of Kilkenny. And in Division 1A, of course, Cork uh, opened their campaign last night. They saw off Munster rivals Clare 2.30 to 2.21 um, at Porky Cueve. Um, and they are second in the table behind Galway. Galway, of course, with a massive points difference after that big victory over um, over Offaly earlier today. Uh, but uh, Rebels boss Kieran Kingston did speak after that win for Cork last night, and uh, John McCarthy was down at Porky Cueve. Here's what he had to say: It was good to get off the winning start. Uh, saying that, I think the game was a typical first game of the league, first week of February, blustery conditions, a lot of challenges out there for the players. Um, I thought at times we were really good we started off slowly a bit nervous I thought um, contributed to a lot of their scores by our mistakes uh, then we got into the game we had a purple patch I think 13 points were out of flying but us has a good position at half time again we forged ahead in the second half uh, I think we had 14 15 points up at one stage but I thought we were really really sloppy coming down the stretch it seems uh, if the clear goal sparked cock into light because you got one came and overplay on the back of it well I think it, it, we were live we were in the game we were kind of uh, Shadow boxing to a degree in, in, in the first 15 minutes or so. Uh, we're making a lot of elementary mistakes. No, I suppose, look, you can you can say this time of the year is going to happen in these conditions. This first week of February, first real serious game since, since the All-Ireland. So we've got, we've got to take all those things into account. Uh, but again, coming down the stretch, like having a 15-point lead and to end up winning by nine, okay, it's great, and we would have certainly taken it beforehand. But uh, we've an offer to work on. I suppose the, the raft of substitution that both sides made probably spoiled the flow of the game. Well, it did. Like we, we brought on, we lost. Uh, uh, we were actually brought on six players because Nile, Nile had a had a head injury, so we were able to replace him for temporary. With Sean and here. So yeah, when you make those number of changes, it does disrupt the team a, a little bit. But that shouldn't be the case. Um, players coming in and the structure of the team and the shape of the team shouldn't really be be impacted hugely. And that's again something we got to look at. Got a lot of game time into players. Connolly Han and a few guys like that. Paul Report came on. And Kieran Joyce for the first half was really impressive. Yeah, look. I suppose the league is a balancing act really in a way 
uh, you obviously want to win your games as best you can. Uh, your home games are really important. You want to be really competitive in every game. Uh, you want to give game time into lads that you may need in championship because in the campaign, the way it is, you're certainly going to need maybe 23, 24, 25 players. So you got to get game time into them as best you can whilst remaining competitive. And uh, there were lads, we got, to, we, got, we got some two lads made a debut tonight in Sean Toomey and, um, and Kieran Joyce. Uh, both did really, really well. And we thought Paul coming in for his first taste of, uh, of seeing in the county league action. And they were all positive. And we, we Conor Lehan came back. And so there were a number of, 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 um, of things like that that were positive when we could do that and we could try out that in a game that we, we obviously were, were winning in. No? Yes, Fitzgibbon Cup action again this week, guys. But that will shape your selection for next Sunday's trip to Borough. Yeah, look, that was it. That, that, as I said, many times the last few weeks have been difficult between freshers like Kieran Joyce played a freshers match during the week um, he's another two coming up in the next two weeks a young lad just still 19 still under, eligible for the next year's under auditions under 20 um, and we have 22 over panel in volume college holding in some, some shape or form so that's a bit of a challenge at the moment balancing all that and trying to get as much you want to be competitive trying to give these lads a bit of game time but at the same time not overloading them in, in, in this time of the year in these conditions because it's still only the first week of February uh, and that's, that's the challenge but look we got through tonight we got our two points on the board it's no more than that uh, happy with the victory but a lot of lot to work on as I said contributed to a huge amount of their scores by our mistakes and look we have time to work on that but we know we have to work on it and Kieran, obviously you wouldn't choose to pass the car again to score 2.30 without, without needing teals and I suppose you could sign in with a good spread of scorers from number five all the way up. Yeah, look, pa- Patrick, I don't think I need to say anything about Patrick Horrigan, you know, he's he's wore the t-shirt, uh, top scorer, so there's no, I don't think, I can't, I suppose, pour any more accolades on top of Patrick that hasn't been poured already. Um, and for us, having the opportunity tonight to rest him he came back training after Christmas we're bringing him back into the fold for us to be able to rest him tonight and that need to bring him in is positive from the panel's perspective um, we all know what, what he can do yeah. and what he could do uh, and to be, as I said to be able to rest him in the first week of February is great and that was the intention tonight and how important is the overall like in, in terms of trying to win a, a national title or is there danger that if you kind of go too far in the league you're kind of hitting up to the start of the championship and you don't want to, to lose focus of that well I think look Cork haven't won the league since 1998 um, we were quite close last year actually against Galway 7 point lead and, and, yeah. and as it turned out it would, it, would, it would have won the league but we didn't know that at the time so I think with the round robin now and with the condensed season and the fifth season I think the league takes on an extra area extra level of importance yeah, Kieran Kingston there um, at Parky Cueve last night after their victory over Clare in the Hurling National League opener. Uh, moving on to Gaelic football, uh, Armagh beat Tyrone 2-14 to 14 points to make it two wins from two in the Allianz National Football League. They sit atop the table as the only team to win both their opening games. Greg McCabe and Jason Duffy with the Armagh goals at the Athletic Grounds. There were four red cards for Tyrone and one for Armagh all after the one incident, um, I believe there was a bit of a bit of a, a shamazel and a bust up towards the end of that game, um, which I suppose is to be expected between two great northern rivals. Um, elsewhere, Mayo enjoyed a two ten to one eleven win over Monaghan in Clonus. Ryan O'Donoghue and Jason Doherty both found the back of the net for James Horn's side, uh, while Donegal beat Kildare two eleven to one nine in Bally Buffet. Patrick McBrearty and Ryan McHugh got the gold for the host. 
Last night, Kerry gave Dublin a bit of a hammering, even though the, the final scoreline didn't really uh, suggest it, but it was Kerry's biggest ever home win over Dublin in the league, interestingly enough. Uh, the final score at Austin Stack Park in Tralee, 115 to 11 points to the Kingdom against the Dubs. Um, that leaves Dublin bottom of the table, uh, funnily enough. Um, two games, two losses, and... Um, I'm afraid Daisy Farrell's under a slight bit of pressure there. Uh, I don't think the Dublin faithful are going to to take uh, take lightly to, to to that form at the moment. Um, and Aidan O'Mahony uh, from Kerry suggested that they might be in a relegation battle during the week. He got a lot of flack for it, but he's kind of right at the moment because unless Dublin get a, get an upturn in form, they will be right in that battle for relegation. Uh, there were two games in this second flight. Um, down lost to Galway 112 to 9 points in Newry and of course Cork and Clare after the hurlers last night they drew 113 apiece at Porky Cueve that leaves Cork right bang smack in the middle of the Division 2 table um, they're on 1 point Clare on 3 ahead of them and then you have down Meath and Offaly who are yet to pick up a point uh, we'll now hear from Cork football manager Keith Rickin on the game as well as confirmation that Mark Collins will not be involved with the Rebels this year your reaction to that result Keith? Yeah. you know the result you're disappointed when you don't get two points obviously every time um, but I'm happy with the performance I suppose really I'm delighted with the performance and when I was disappointed with the performance last week lots of it in Ross comment when I went back and watched the footage from behind the goal I saw how hard the lads were working and when I came into the gym on Tuesday night there we were doing a session and doing video analysis I couldn't believe the buzz and the, you know the camaraderie among the lads so I knew you know that they really wanted a kind of a tone for this and they put a hard work week in this week and uh, we had a number of setbacks you know we have a couple of injuries and stuff like that but the lads have been great and um, I'm happy with that so you're coming in with mixed emotions because you like to win I think the scoreboard threw us off there at one stage when the players were looking up because you know you're going to look at the one ahead uh, one was showing the draw even though we were a few points up at that stage so that kind of threw maybe one or two decisions but overall we're young uh, and there's a few na- naive mistakes we made I think you're, you're with Colum Collins' teams that are going to be very well drilled and well organised you know I thought they were sure they were very clever getting back into the game um, but I thought we showed great heart into it and we're learning all the time and the lads took learnings from that all and we'll be back on Tuesday night taking more learnings and looking at what we're doing with uh, Maris O'Connor from Carberry Rangers a great guy he does all of video analysis he, he was coach of the 20s there the last couple of years he's a great guy he breaks it down from fantastically so we're looking forward to come back Tuesday night and the lads are a bit buzzy which is great 6-5 up and then conceded a few points to go on 9-6 down at half time having played quite well yeah it was kind of hard to put your finger on it at one cent because you know we were delighted with I mean there was 2 or 3 debuts today and we were delighted with them to get their chance and it was you know you never know how they're going to be down in front of a large crowd down the park and how's that going to go and they, they held their nerve and they held their, their ground and they, you know they done their bit small bit like I said no we carry a few silly turnovers at times it was no it kind of you know you'd be kind of kicking yourself but you know when you come off the field and you're ready to give out to a fella and he knows himself and he knows what it is you know he knows I, I turned it over I have to work on that and just to see him try to do it in the second half I just thought when we came back into the second half you know uh, it's always hard to play with a win too sometimes because the ball can go over now we try to hold the ball very well and again we were a small bit naive at times silly turnovers but that's a work in progress you were happy at times with some screenplays you had offensively but defensively in the second half especially when conceding the penalty you got opened up quite easily yeah we did but you know like you're going to I mean there was four or five guys there played their first or second national league match you know these these are players seen a football team that's been going up close to division one you know and all the teams are in at the moment they're going up and down all the time they're going to be more experienced and more 
you know, clever at times with what they're doing. And, you know, we're a bit young and light, as you see, you know. So you're going to be caught with that. That's part of it. What you don't want to be doing is making the same mistakes week in and week out. But that's going to take time. And, you know, good timber. Just takes time. That's our matter for the year is good timber. Like, you know, the, the stronger the breeze, the stronger the trees. That's it. That's it. what we have to do. So you're going to get caught and we have to give out to them. And yes, but they'll do that themselves. They'll see that themselves. And if next week we can stop doing, next or two weeks time, we can stop doing a bit more of that. That'll be happy progress each time. Um, but I thought tonight now we showed a bit of character. What I love tonight is when we come off the field. You know, the kids were excited. It was great. Parents are excited. People are excited. You know, it was great to be down for a good match, that an entertaining match, and guys fighting for something. And they have been doing that, even though the scoreboards have been shown it since the start of the year. As showed, showed good resolve after conceding the penalty to come back into the game. And, you know, at one stage, it looked like winning it. Yeah, probably should have won it in one sense. Like, but, uh, you know, all fairness to, to, to clear, like, the... the the manufacturer a great score that, you know it was a fantastic score and a score that you're saying in your own head like well, it was fair play to yourself for kicking that and it went straight between the force and there was no doubt about it yeah a couple of uh, decisions like we could have took on the ball maybe we should have but like I said they're young they'll reflect it you know while reflecting it but my gut instinct and my first reaction is you know I'm very happy with the effort that the lads are putting in and I'm very happy with the resolve as you said Finbar very happy with that and you know that is like the character we spoke about character earlier on today and we said look that you know nature and skill is what God gives you uh, or what society gives you but character is what you do with it and you know they are trying their best with it and I can't ask any more than that is it an analogy you know of a bit of a teen toast as you tell yourself going to Owen Big in a fortnight yeah well we'll start back again now we'll start back Tuesday night we'll train um, towards night we'll go to a video analysis again and Sunday we'll have a good session Sunday of the week we'll, we'll be glad to see a few lads coming back uh, a few lads are near off the injury table now a few lads are still a few more weeks ago I think we'll go back to Owen Big maybe I think we might have two or three more guys hopefully please God available to us but still a number of guys still not available to us you look down the list of players that are around at the moment you know we have 14 or 15 guys you know who are on a good trajectory but they're on a different trajectory on the way back or they're really rehabbing or pre-season properly which they haven't done in a long time so I'd say they'll be biting at the bit too that's where you want fellas and then they look up and then they say well how am I going to get in here now I have to fight for my place now which is good too and I think that's what's needed in cop we need to have a bit of fighting for places and stuff like that so um Everything like you know, every every challenge is a new challenge. We go up to Umbeg again. It's going to be you know a different type of game, uh, a different type of environment, a different experience. But you know, when you step into the river and you step out of it, when you go back into it, it's just a different river and it's a different man. So every journey is different for everybody. And I, I'd be hoping that we'll be learning and it will be different. Than that. I heard about Shari Potter tonight, given his work, given his schedule, and the conditions and playing physically tough. I thought he was outstanding. He's outstanding individual, but I mean, if you know Shawnee, if you know his character, and if you know the people, his people and stuff like that, they're fantastic. And, and you know, we are very mindful of him, like, you know, so we, he was in Limerick all week this week, he wasn't coming up and down, he wasn't doing under this, you know, he was with UL, he prepared with UL and then recovered above in UL. You know, we have a facility there as well, we train above there with our so recovery stuff, so we do a lot of that there. So there's no travelling for him. So he's grateful for that, and in return he gives it back in spades, you know. Mm-hmm. He's a medical student, he's a great guy, um, and in, in, in a number of years' time, you know, uh, 
when, when there's not a football in his hands with someone's life in his hands you can say well one short thing he's going to give it his all and I, I'm not surprised with Shani Porter's attitude if you deal with him he's an excellent guy he's one of the many of the older fellas there that really step up to it um, you know he's looking forward to next week uh, Sigerson semi-final and you know maybe a final even and which would be fantastic for him um, and you know we wish him very well and you well very well in that Just and there's availability in the update of Mark Collins yeah. yeah Mark I spoke to Mark um, <coughs> very recently we had a number of conversations Mark as you know is the world's greatest gentleman there's no doubt about that he is a super super individual um, but he had indicated last year that you know his time was up and that he had his head around that and he had other projects to do and finish and complete and start you know um, I met him a few times he was time with the idea I said you know have a few months he, your heart must be in this right mm-hmm. now his head he would have came back for us you know there's no doubt about that if I asked him and insist on that there's no doubt about that but you know and his heart is there but his head is kind of you know he wants to do other projects he owes nothing to Cork um, we met him a few weeks ago and he just he wants to commit to the project I think it was a good idea for him when we sit down logically I mean I've, my masters is in guidance and counseling so you know I will always put the person first I will always put the player first you know and you know it is person first I think he's doing the right thing he's going to give it time to Castlehaven he's with the UCC fresher football team he's in they're in great hands and in time I think you know he'll be very good into management and I want to wish him the very best as he steps away from Cork football for now you know I can see him being back in again and some other guys at some other time um, but I couldn't speak any highly of him you know uh, no he's did cost me three coffees like by the way right he's a bit tight on paying for the coffees you can tell him I said that uh, no he's not he's a super guy he gone for this so he, he won't be playing no he's not going to be playing he's going to concentrate in his club and he's concentrating on his work he's finishing out exams and you know I think he's a, 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 a rock of a girlfriend there she's with for the last number of years and she wants to do other stuff and they want to do other stuff and I wish him well in that. Yeah, award in the captaincy, why you, what was your thinking behind the... Uh... Oh, the captaincy was very straightforward. I think the captaincy was, you know... Yeah. Ian McGuire had given massive service to Cork in the last couple of years and he wants to, you know, and a lot of responsibility up on his young shoulders, you know, and he's been great. I think it's important for us that we have a natural leader in him, you know, and what we needed to do then for us, and we were, we talked about this a lot, is we want the young, we have a lot of young fellas coming through and we've got a lot of guys who've given great service to Cork, so Brian Hurley and Sean Meehan, so they represented both, right, you know, and I want more leaders in this Cork team. So every guy, when the ball lands down there, you're looking at the captain, no matter where it goes you're looking at a fella who has to step up you know there is the honour of going up for the task and there is the honour of going up for collecting something later on and the honour of being a captain as such but the honour is playing for Cork and the honour is you know leading for Cork so it, it wasn't you know it wasn't a huge thing because what you're doing is you know it's like having two fathers or three fathers you know what I mean they're, if they're all step up to it is great if it steps up to the job but these are good le- leaders in the team and great men in the team so we're very happy with that Come on, You're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench with me, Aidan Leahy, here until 7 on Cork's Red FM. Uh, keeping an eye on the golf, the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, Seamus Power still 13 under. I think he's on the third hole now. The lead is now at uh, 16 under, so three shots off the lead there. Uh, he's going to have to put in a mighty effort to get back into uh, contention to win uh, at Pebble Beach. Uh, moving on to a bit of football, Cahill Heffernan made headlines this week when it was announced that he was signing on loan for AC Milan from Cork City until the end of the season. Uh, Rory spoke to the defender just before he departed for Italy. All right, I'm joined on the line now by the AC Milan-bound Cahill Heffernan. Um, 
Kyle, first off, massive congratulations. When you hear your name and AC Milan in the same sentence, what goes through your head? Has it sunk in yet? Ah, uh, like I'm going to be honest with you now, Rory. Like it's, it's. I'd say it's going to actually properly hit me when I when I arrive in Milan. But um, no, definitely, it's. You know, I'm just so happy, and my family's so happy that. You know, I think in the last day or two, it has really set in. You know. Hey, AC Milan, one of the biggest clubs in Europe, full of history. I'm sure you know all about that heading over there. A massive club, call and a massive opportunity for you. Oh, definitely, definitely. You know, and it's. I think you know once I started there, once I find my feet, I think I'm going to improve so much over there anyway. Um, and you know that's my goal, just to keep getting better and better. But no, it is. It's it's a dream. You know, to sign for such a big club like that and to be able to play alongside top players and in Europe is just it's a dream for any young footballer really How did the move come about Carl? I understand like Stephen Ireland was a massive part when your mum and dad were massive helps there as well Yeah so like basically you know it's the move came about my age and Stephen definitely put in a lot of work um, to try get it through and sort everything but like you know really it's just how any other person gets scouted as such really you know they come watch uh, they you know they um, watch how you play and um, basically just you know that's that's how it come about like I can't really put it up anyway sum it up anyway else exactly yeah you signed um, professional forms for Cork City last season Carl I mean like how much of an education has that been I suppose being around professionals at Cork City and working under Colin Healy over the last year yeah, no, definitely, definitely it was. It was good for me at the time, you know, 16 training with men and first team, you know, it was definitely, definitely good for um, for me to improve, you know. Um, and it was a good, you know, to get my debut as well last year, last season was very good for me. Um, so, you know, it just put me in the right direction and now I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose internationally as well, Carl, being the Ireland under 17 captain is a massive help. Colin O'Brien, a, a tremendous coach there, which has been a massive help. Oh, definitely. You know, and ever since I've gone in with the under 17s, you know, Colin has been very good to me. Um, you know, he's always helping me improve and stuff and giving me, you know, tips on how to be a good captain and stuff. So, kind of massive thanks to him. Um, but no, you know, we've your qualifiers coming up now, the elite phase in uh, at the end of March. So, you know, all, all our eyes are towards that. It must have been an incredible experience as well as captaining Ireland at Turners Cross last year. Oh, great. Great. Like, words can't describe how the feeling in your, you know, when you're walking out in the pitch and all your friends and family are in the crowd and you've the captain's armband on, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. Like, it's just an amazing, amazing feeling. And then, you know, I'm just glad to have that privilege and I'm glad that Colin O'Brien has put trust in me to be the under-17 captain. Um, one of the most decorated defenders in the game, one of the biggest icons in the game, Paolo Maldini, of course, is the technical director at AC Milan, I'd imagine. Like, being able to talk to him about the art of defending is going to be a massive thrill. Oh, definitely, definitely. Do you know, it's going to be a person like him looking over me is going to, honestly, it's going to be a dream come true. Like, to have... You know, Paolo Mandini, arguably the greatest defender ever, looking over me and be able to learn from him every day. It's going to be in. It's going to be a really, really good time. Like, excellent, Carl. Uh, a pleasure talking to you, buddy. Very, very best of luck with the move, and uh, looking forward to watching your career with AC Milan. 
Cheers. Thanks, Rory. All the best. Yeah, absolutely. Best of luck to Cahill. And uh, Rory also spoke to Cahill's dad, Olympic bronze medalist Rob, about the big move. Emotional today. We went for a run there at lunchtime, now myself and Cahill, like, and just going on about, like, all of the games, like, all, everything that we've done as a family, like, when me and Mariam were competing, like, Cahill was, was so much support to us. Like, I remember, like, when I was training in Australia in 2010, Cahill used to cycle with me on the bike when he was six, like, yeah. and... Even on my last camp before I retired, he was with me, and we're, we're just all invested together. Like so, it's I think it's obvious huge to the AC Milan, but it's another step forward. Again, it's another opportunity for him to get better, and I, that, that's what we're really excited about. Even though we're obviously going to be devastated when he's gone. And for him to sign for for AC Milan, one of the biggest clubs in Europe, I think for for men of our age, it's got that that grandeur, that 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 certain like it's it's hard to describe AC Milan and kind of not think just how big a club they are. I know, sure you see him like like growing up having pictures of Rude Hullet and Van Basten on your wall, and like they they were unbelievable, like huge, huge club, like arguably again the biggest club in the world. You could argue, you know that that's. And that that's the way they feel about themselves. And I, I think the fact, like for me, th- when when the boys ran about that, Paulo Maldini's going to be looking after Cahill over there and yeah. the defenders, like to have the opportunity to learn from somebody like who's there, who who could be the greatest defender ever. Um, it it's just it's too good of an opportunity to pass up. And and the culture of the Italians, their their culture of defending. You know their winning mentality. It's um, like, and even if it, if it only ended up five six months, who knows? You know, but it, it's it's definitely going to add add to him moving forward. Mm. He has progressed nicely in his career up to this point, Rob. I mean, like going uh, from from Ringman to Cork City to captaining the Ireland under 17s There's been a very decent, very solid um, career trajectory there for him already. Yeah, and and like to be fair, like when he went. Like Cahill's background, like like Cahill wasn't even picked for Cork trials when he was under thirteen, you know. And then yeah. Cork school boys came in externally, and he played Cork B football that year. And then Billy Woods got on to me, and then he got on to the Cork A team. And Billy Woods rang me then, and he said, "Look, Rob, we want them for City, which would have been a year up under fifteen when Cahill was still thirteen. And I was like, Billy, I don't know would he be able for it. I says, I know he's big and strong, but and he says, No, he will. And he went in and he excelled. And he adapted, and then Billy got him into the Irish setup, and then you know Dan Murray was brilliant for him. Like Moore's, he was really good. Liam Caron, he's a brilliant coach. So he's th- just that step moving into that environment. He's adapted, and then when he went away on the trials, he adapted to all of them. So I think when you put him into scenarios, he's very kind of he, he's a real kind of learn. Mm. He he learned the um, the environment that he's in, and he'll kick on, and he's 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 a really good work ethic, and he's really balanced and doesn't get too high or too low and and it's great it's, it's brilliant to see the way he's progressing like and of course his uncle my good buddy John Andrews a, a great pro back in his day with Coventry and the likes of Mansfield Town and that as well so um, football certainly runs in the family Rob yeah and, and like obviously there's John and Marion's dad played football with Ireland underage and um, was meant to be really good as well and Marion's mum who's a massive football fan had trials for Ireland um, underage until Mick Mick pulled the plug on that and it was like no your place is in the home now I'm working you know and that, that was just Ireland back then so yeah, yeah there's they, they are a football mad family like, and they were all centre backs as well even then Angela was even a centre back <laughs> you know so um, yeah and she's bursting with pride as well you know and it's, it's massive for them yeah uh, but as you were mentioning Rob it is going to be hard to, to see him go he's heading off tomorrow morning and heading off in the big bad world on his own 
Yeah, but you know what, Rory? It's 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 not that. But with with Sky, with Zoom, now and FaceTime and all of these things, and he's going to be so busy over because he's going to be going to English school. He's going to be learning a new language as well, and um, and he's going to be playing every day. And it's going to be really, really intense with the uh, with the level level of players that that he's going to be in with. And so it's going to be great. And then we'll try and get over. We'll get over in two or three weeks and we, we can block our flights now once yeah. we know. And we're lucky that we, we're in the position that we can fly back and forth and see him. Like, But um, no, we're excited about him. But, you know, it's just a, it's, it's, it's a chapter of his life now that's closed and another one is opening up. So he just mm. he needs to go in now. And w- once he gets out of here today or tomorrow morning, he'll just he'll be back down dark with a bang. And it's it's going to be really, really tough for him. Yeah. And Stephen Ireland, Rob, a big help in getting this move over the line, I believe. Yeah, Stephen's been brilliant. He's um he's like one of the family you now. Like like Stephen rang me two years ago and um he organised trials like Cottle was in trials in Man United, he was in Burnley, there was loads of clubs wanted him in England and there was a lot of options there as well before Brexit and we had to have a look at other options and to be fair Stephen had a lot of contacts away and, and when you get to know him, he, he's such a good guy and um even football wise to have his set of eyes on him and to be able to like I don't know about her chatting about performance and lifestyle but critiquing him as a footballer with somebody who is arguably one of her most talented footballers yeah. ever and he obviously made his own mistakes in his career but he, the, the, the thing that drew me to him is that he he's a dad he has kids his own son plays on the Irish under 18 team so he understands because it's a vicious it's a vicious uh, world the agents world and I think you know when you're working with a fellow who's a dad himself that yeah. they understand you know exactly yeah. well uh, Rob it's uh, been fantastic talking to you and Cahill this evening I'm uh, really looking forward to seeing how Cahill gets on in AC Milan we'll be watching his career with great interest here in the Big Red Bench thanks Rory thanks boy yeah Rob Heffernan there on his son Cahill's big move to AC Milan now it is the start of Super Bowl week the NFL season draws to a close next Sunday the Cincinnati Bengals face the LA Rams for the Vince Lombardi trophy and I, t- I spoke to Colm Cronin of the Irish NFL show to preview the Super Bowl. We also discussed Tom Brady's retirement. This is a a shortened version of the chat. We'll post the full half-hour preview in full as a podcast on the Big Red Bench section on redfm.ie as well as major podcast platforms. And that's exactly where you can catch this show as well if you missed out. So here is Colm previewing the Super Bowl. Colm Cronin of the Irish NFL show joins me ahead of the biggest week in American sport and uh, one of the biggest occasions in world sport. Uh, Colm, how are you? Very well, Aidan. Nice to be joining you. Uh, lovely to be on Red FM. Uh, would have listened to, uh, to it a lot uh, in college. Uh, I went to UCC and worked in CIT before moving to Dublin. So uh, nice to be on the home station. Exactly, yeah, exactly. You must be really excited, of course. This is the... This is the the best week of the year I suppose to be involved in in NFL coverage. Yeah, certainly. I, I think all of the playoffs are really what you look forward to. Well, all of it because I mean it's so limited. You know, you've got the seventeen games of a regular season and then the playoffs, but it all culminates obviously in the the Super Bowl. And this year in particular, because the Bengals were such an unfancy team before the season started, it's really interesting. I mean. 
you know, a lot of people would have thought the Rams would be there or thereabouts making the the big trade for Matthew Stafford. And obviously with the guys they've brought in during the year in terms of Odell Beckham and, and Von Miller, it's a very different approach to what you would get ordinarily in American football. But the Bengals are probably, you know, the feel-good story of 2022 and possibly the, the feel-good story ever since COVID emerged, you know, to have a, a young quarterback who came through the draft went um, number one overall, had an awful injury last year, an ACL injury, and comes back and kind of leads a team that had been in the wilderness for so long to the Super Bowl is fantastic. I mean, before the playoffs began, all of the talk was, you know, nobody had ever sent a text message about the Bengals winning a, a playoff game. And all of a sudden, here we are and they're they're sitting in the Super Bowl. So it promises to be an intriguing matchup between these two teams. Just before we dive completely into into the Super Bowl matchup, as you said, of course, Cincinnati Bengals versus the LA Rams on in the LA Rams Stadium. Fully enough, even though they're not even the home team, which is something we'll get into a small bit later. A few a uh, few stories uh, in the NFL over the last week, uh, and I suppose the biggest being that the seven-time Super Bowl champ Tom Brady has retired. Yeah, Brady has um, finally uh, hung it up. I'm, I look what a what a competitor. Firstly, the the most the fiercest competitor I've ever seen in sport in any sport. Um, you know, I, I would say um, possibly um, only only Roy Keane might uh, might match him in terms of intensity, but Brady just the longevity to to do what he did for as long as he did is is absolutely phenomenal. I will say I, I'm not surprised that he decided to give it up I think we began began for the like to see a little bit of decline this year we had discussed it on the Irish NFL show that first game against the the Saints this year that was the first time I'd ever seen Brady be human now he was still fantastic he was still better than average um, but he missed a, a wide open Cameron Braid in their playoff um, loss and so afterwards when you know he began talking as well about spending more time with his family I think that the hints were there and obviously the way it broke will probably will, will disappoint him because I'm sure he would have liked to, to break the news rather than it coming out. Brady transcended the NFL. I, uh, you know, I know people who would have no interest in the NFL but would have heard of Tom Brady. So it'll be a, a big void for the league. It'll be an enormous void for the Bucks. But to, to do what Brady did to win seven Super Bowls, I like think about it. It's more than any single franchise has. Ah, just spectacular. We do have a Super Bowl to look forward to, a novel pairing, Bengals and Rams. Uh, Rams, I suppose, uh, su- Super Bowl uh, losers in 2018. Um, it, it was 1988. The last time was was the Bengals in, in a Super Bowl. Um, we, we, we mentioned a couple of, of, of the players involved. I suppose the quarterbacks is usually everyone's go-to point. Joe Burrow, the, the young guy, Matthew Stafford, who's been around for a few years. I suppose focusing on Stafford first, in my opinion, he's one of the most underrated and disrespected quarterbacks in the league. Like Joe Burrow is getting all the attention in the last week or so. Matthew Stafford can go in under the radar at times. I think it's probably a bit unfair in him. I think some of it comes, look, he played with the the Lions and the Lions are ultimately the factory of sadness. They just cannot seem to to get over the, the hump. And so 
he he was always associated with that. He was always associated with with failure, and it's only when he moved across to to the Rams that you know he's been able to show with better players around him maybe what he's capable of. And th- this is a league where ultimately rings are what counts the most, you know, and and that's that's why Brady is held up as the the goat, and that's why. You know, if you go back to John Elway, say John Elway until he won those two Super Bowls with the Broncos was kind of considered a failure, even though he had led the Broncos to three previous Super Bowls, but he hadn't won one until Peyton Manning got that second ring. He wasn't considered, you know, the top, top tier, even though Peyton Manning absolutely revolutionized the position. And when you look at, say, Aaron Rodgers, there are people who question Rodgers because despite what he's achieved, he only has one ring. So for Stafford, I think that was um, a, a big issue is, uh, you know, the the fact that he just didn't win and he didn't win in, in the playoffs. Now, he has done that and he has begun to transform the narrative, I, I feel, a little bit in, particularly with some of the winning drives that he's managed to, to lead the the throw to Cooper Cup ultimately to set them up to, to win against the, the Bucks and um the, the the in the game against the, the 49ers ultimately you know he was able to to lead them to, to victory and I think where you kind of compared and contrasted him to Jimmy Garoppolo who uh, probably is one of the reasons the 49ers didn't get there and, and a big reason and I think for uh, Stafford this goes back to, you You mentioned the last time the Rams were in the Super Bowl. Ultimately, they held Tom Brady and the Patriots to 13 points, and yet they didn't win the game. And that when you when you hold them to that and you don't win it, well, the coaches, I think, are always going to look at the, the quarterback. And Jared Goff was there, and I think McVay lost faith in him that day. So he brought Stafford in. Now, has Stafford played at, at maybe the level that Aaron Rodgers um, has played at or Josh Allen? No, but has he been very good? Yes, he has. Has he done what they needed him to do? Is he capable of making great plays? Uh, he absolutely is. And he's capable of making throws that Jared Goff never could. Now, he, yes, he does have some, well, he has too many um, interceptions, you would say, particularly in the regular season, but he's cleaned up a lot. He got lucky, you'd have to say, in that game against the 49ers. There was a huge dropped interception which could have changed the, the course of the game. But that's a sliding doors moment, you know? Um, I, I think for, for Stafford, um, this is certainly a chance for him to cement his legacy. If he goes on and he leads the Rams to win a Super Bowl, he'll be viewed in a completely different light. Yeah, as you said, like the the defensive uh, performance from the Rams the last time there in the Super Bowl was was superb, and it, it that defense is still very much uh, a strong uh, unit. They've, as you said earlier, added Von Miller and uh, guys that like Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey still there as well. The old adage, I suppose, offense wins games, defense wins championships. Uh, the Rams defense forces Joe Burrow. Uh, what what do we what do you think we can expect from that matchup? I think that's going to be fascinating because if you take the 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 Bengals against the Titans, say, and the Titans who had a formidable kind of pass rush, and, and Jeffrey Simmons had a game for the ages, and the Titans sacked Burrow nine times. But somehow the Bengals still managed to win the game. Ordinarily, there's no way you would do that. Looking at this Rams defense, 
Aaron Donald is phenomenal. Aaron Donald, you could make an argument, is not just the best defensive player in the league, but the best player in the league. He is a game wrecker. You have to plan for him. And you know, even when you manage to scheme up, the 49ers did a pretty good job of keeping Aaron Donald in check. But the problem is that Von Miller is back to playing at kind of two 2015 Von Miller levels. If you look at, say, Pro Football Focus's ratings of pass rushers during the playoffs, they rate Von, they grade Von Miller the highest right now. And so that's the pick your poison. Do you stop Aaron Donald, but then you have to worry about Von Miller? Do you stop Von Miller, but then you've got to, to worry about Aaron Donald and they've got, also got Leonard Floyd who maybe isn't quite at the, the level of those two but is still a very very good player and that, that will be one of the things because what the Bengals did manage to do against the Chiefs is Burrow only took one sack and he left Chris Jones very frustrated and you had you know Frank Larkin basically admitting that he may as well not have been on the field. Uh, it reminded me Romario famously said after the '94 European Cup final, he he they could have played with ten men and it would have been the the same. So for the for the Bengals, they have to get the ball out quickly. Um, Burrow cannot keep it in his hands because if he does, the the Rams will get to him. You you cannot stop all three of them. Now the Rams also have Jalen Ramsey, a fantastic cornerback. Do they line him up all the time against Jamar Chase? Um, uh, do, does Burrow therefore have to look at other options? They might be without their top tight end. So it will be very tough, but what I would say is Joe Burrow is, he's unlike most QBs, his ability to deal with pressure. Pressure does funny things to people. And um, Burrow is a guy who is able to deal incredibly well. So when he went into, to, or even go back to that first regular season game with the Chiefs down 18 points, he didn't panic. Playing against the Titans, sacked nine, nine times, he doesn't panic. He goes into Arrowhead. The Bengals are down 21-3. He doesn't panic. And that, I think, is something that is, it's, you can't teach that. That's what Brady had. Um, no matter you know what the score was, Brady found a way. And that's what Burrow does. And Burrow, players respond to him. And it's fascinating for a guy only in the second year, the way in which players respond to him is fascinating to see. So I would say that Burrow versus that um, D-line is going to, to be probably what ultimately de decides this game because you would have to say if the Rams are able to do what the Titans did, the Rams have a much better offense. They will be able to, you know, put up the points that the Titans couldn't. Yeah, that was Colm Cronin there uh, speaking ahead of the Super Bowl weekend. Uh, you can catch that in full during the week. We'll share that on our uh, on, on, on every podcast platform you can think of and imagine. And that's where you can find the show as well if you missed out. Uh, Alan is next on Green on Red. That's it for me. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see you again next week. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.